Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Celtic Speed, Ty Ray, along with Nick Gelso. And it is a odd time to be a Celtic fan, Nick. A very odd time, because for the first time in a long time as a Celtic fan, Nick, i got to be honest, what are we doing? What is what the team we? doing? I, I don't know. <laughs> and usually I consider myself somewhat of an answer man. I can usually see a plan on the horizon. I think Danny Ainge has got a plan as GM. I just don't see it right now. Well, you know, and, and Ty, you are like the eternal optimist when it comes to Danny Ainge and the Celtics. And, you know, for you to be kind of questioning, eh, it's got everybody's got to be confused. I mean, I'm confused. I, I, I don't understand what's going on. But uh, hopefully Sh- uh, Sherrod Blakely, who is our guest tonight, today, can shed some light on that. And uh, he's he's been at summer camp, so he's seen all these guys and – You know, Sherrod always seems to have the inside scoop, right? He does have the inside scoop, and I want to hear it because I am honestly, I am lost. I always feel like the Celtics have a game plan in place, and you hear all these rumors, but when you look at the roster, Nick, as I'm looking at right now, you've got seven guards. What is the roster? Yeah, seven guards. Seven guards. (laughs) What are we doing with seven guards? You know, I mean, is there a team out there that wants to trade a big man and needs guards? What is he doing? I don't know. But he's signing people that we probably – I mean, I like Avery Bradley, but I don't think he's worth $8 million. I mean, I like Phil Pressey, but, you know, I I don't know that, you know. You know what I mean? And then we let go of Chris Humphreys and let him go to a division – uh, the, the Wizards in the same division gonna, where Paul Pierce just went. Like, this is, were you going to say division rival Washington I was. I stopped wow. myself really quick. I was trying to figure it out, Ty, uh, while I was down in D.C. at our corporate offices. And you might have the answer here. When was the last time the Wizards contended for anything? It might have been Wes Unsold. When they really contended, right? When right. they really, right. really were in contention. Right. It mm-hmm. was in the late 70s with Wes mm-hmm. Unseld, the Big E, Kevin right. Reevee right. on that team. But our era, the, yeah, 80s, the 80s, 90s, I mean, uh, I, I, the high point 
of the Wizards for me was the Bullets when they got Bernard King, and he, he played one season in the early 90s and was, like, unstoppable and then hurt the knee again. Wasn't he a great player? I think oh. I'm off track here, but Bernard yes. King. So underrated. I mean, we talk about Paul Pierce being underrated. We talk about a lot of people being underrated. But Bernard King, I mean, I think you and I can both agree, is probably one of the more underrated players in NBA history. And, Ty, I, you know, obviously he didn't win a title. The health issues stopped that because with Ewing, he would, could have won a couple titles. Oh, I think so. I think so had he stayed healthy. And he had a nice comeback, too. After he had his big knee injury, he had a nice comeback, but then his career was shortened. Yeah, yeah, it was shortened. But as far as the the Wizards are concerned, I think they're a team to be reckoned with. I do. I think picking up Gortat again, Bradley Beal, John Wall has become a player that, yeah, he has. I didn't think he was going to be that good, and last year he proved me wrong. So you had Pierce, some veteran leadership to that bench. And then Chris Humphrey. Let me stop you. Do you think Pierce is going to come off the bench? Obviously, yes. I think so. I don't think Hall is at the stage of his career where he is going to give you starter minutes. Do you? I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. I mean, I don't think the minutes really matter whether he's starting or coming off the bench. I mean, they can limit his minutes, and he still starts the game. I like Paul Pierce against another team's second unit. You know, I mean, I think if he had come back to Boston the way we had – kind of envisioned it all season long, right? I think that uh, that position, even on Art on the Celtics, would be a six-man position. I said that, too. I said that if the Celtics were able to pick up Paul Pierce once again, it would not be in a starter's role. It would be coming off the bench. So uh, I'll stand by that when it comes to the Wizards as well. But Washington getting better the rest of the league, the East, is getting better, it appears. So what's going on with the Celtics? Now, having said that, Nick, having said that, let's look at the Celtics right now. Let's look at a starting five, possibly. Oh, my goodness. You have Rajon Rondo. Let's say he stays around. Rajon Rondo, mm-hmm. Avery Bradley, Jeff Green at the three. I think you start Sullinger at the four, not Brandon Bass. And Tyler right. Zeller. And people forget Tyler Zeller was a first-round draft pick of the Cavaliers. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. there's your starting five. And honestly, let's go all the way back, Nick, I think, to the trade that Danny made with Kendrick Perkins bringing Jeff Green over to the Celtics. He made yeah. that trade in mind. I really believe with having Rajon Rondo and Avery Bradley on the floor with him at the same time, this team was going to be a running team to keep up with the Miami Heat. It just so happens that no one has been able to stay healthy. You've had the health problem with Jeff Green. What ailment hasn't Avery Bradley had? (laughs) Yes, it's a buffet of injuries on tinfoil. That used to be what I called uh, uh, Marquise Daniels, tinfoil, but... I think that uh, Avery Bradley is as delicate as tinfoil. And and it's a shame because the kid is, if he could just put a half a season together, it's a shame we let, I I don't understand what Danny was thinking, letting Humphreys go. I mean, maybe he thinks he's not worth the money, but at the same time, we just let him walk. I guess we'll check in with Sherrod. Let's find out. Yeah. From Sherrod Sherrod Blakely from Comcast Sports. Let's find out what he has to say about the Chris Humphreys deal to the Washington Wizards. Yeah. Hey, it's Ty Ray, Nick Gelso from Celtic Speed. How are you today? I'm good. I'm good. How are you doing? 
Oh, I'm so sure I'm... we're doing well, man. We have got some loaded questions for you. The the one, <laughs> the, the one at the top of my head right now is the way we started this show. Sherrod, what are the Celtics doing? I, I honestly, <laughs> I have no clue. I think they're trying to figure out exactly what they're doing as well. But listen, they, the one thing that they're finding out, I think, is that whenever you go into this free agency, and they know this, you got to have plans B, C, D, E, and F to turn to. And I think we're seeing that play out with them. You know, they wanted to make a big splash this summer, and it seems that you know all they're doing is making a little ripple, and it's not and and I emphasize the word little. Yeah, little. Are they even a ripple? That's what I just said, I mean, I'm emphasizing the word little with that because, okay. all right. because I mean, when like for example, when they re-signed Avery Bradley, it it it, it was a little bit of a ripple, because, not just because of who they re-signed, but the money. Um, it it actually gave us something to talk about uh, with the Celtics and free agency when they signed Avery Bradley to the four-year, thirty-two million dollar deal. Um, but look, the, the guys that they have liked, other teams like too, and other teams are in better position to make plays for guys than the Celtics are. I mean, that's really sad, but but that's just the reality of where they're at. They're just not. They don't have the ability this summer to be the kind of big time player that they want to be. What did they actually get for Chris Humphreys? We've been trying to figure that out as well. Trade exception. I mean, it's it's just a, it's another chip to, to, and they'll have like a year from when it when he officially signs with Washington to, to use it. it. It's similar to what they were able to generate when they made the um, the Paul Pierce Kevin Garnett deal with Brooklyn. So it, it it's something it's, it's a nice little something to have you know to, to use down the road, but it's it's not going to move the needle. You're not all of a sudden now going to become a big time player for Kevin Love or, or anyone like that. So. Again, it's another asset for the Celtics to have, but at some point, and I'm sure many Celtics fans and Celtics Nation are looking forward to the day when some of these acquired assets are flipped for players. Well, they just want to see the makings of a team. Now, having said that, I'm going to play the glass half full here, Sherrod. If the Celtics... Nice! If the, if the Celtics... <laughs> he always does, Sherrod. He's the eternal optimist. If, if the Celtics can stay healthy, let's say the roster stays as is, which it probably can't because it's so unbalanced. But let's say it stays as is and everybody can remain healthy. Rondo, Bradley, Green, Sully, and Tyler Zeller. That's not a horrible starting five at all. No, you could you could have a, a much worse starting five. Hell, we saw it last year with the Sixers, um, and to some degree, we saw it with the Celtics too. You, you can have a much worse starting five in the NBA. I think that that starting five with a couple of uh, additions here and there, yeah, you could talk about them as a playoff team. But listen, the only way I can see this this Celtics team really just absolutely blowing our minds away next season is if one of those young guys emerges and has the kind of kind of meteoric, meteoric rise that all of a sudden they go from being just another young player to being one of the really, really good players in the league. The guy I think has the best shot of doing that is Kelly Olenek. I, I, think, he, I think he has the potential to be really, really yeah, good. I think, I, think, right. I think he has the potential, and I'm, I'm preparing my little mini barricade here because I know <laughs> the bullets are going to start flying any second now. He has the skills to be the second coming of Dirk Nowinski. Wow, and I've heard yeah. that before recently. And, and you know what? And you know what? If you go back and you look at Dirk's numbers after his first year and you look at Kelly's numbers, Kelly's numbers are as good or better in just about every category. 
and Sherrod. And the team that Dirk played on, and the team that Dirk played on his rookie season, they won like I think thirty five, thirty six games, something like that. So it's not like you know he was playing for this really good team. His team sucked too. So he, the comparisons, when you look at how they're built physically, you look at the things that Kelly likes to do. Um, the potential is there, but do I think it'll happen next year? No, I don't. But the potential is there for that to happen. You know what was fun was watching Kelly in the Summer League this year compared to last year. I'm not saying he dominated the Summer League in Orlando at all, but he's just so much more polished than he was last he year. He was toying with those boys. Yeah, totally. He was toying with them. And it was and the thing to me, you know, he averaged like 17 and a half points, but Kelly could have easily dropped 25-30 a game. I mean, he wasn't like in Tavius Caldwell-Pope of Detroit who was just jacking up every single <laughs> shot. You know, he that could crazy, to, to yeah. prove a point. You know, I mean, he wasn't doing anything like that. Most of Kelly's scoring came within the flow of the offense, and that special player. He's got a tremendous skill set. He is very comfortable you know, facing the basket, back to the basket. Now he started to put it on the floor a little bit, which was something I was really glad to see him do more of in Orlando. I mean, I, I think Kelly's a really, really good player. I really do. I, I, it took me a minute or two, but I'm totally down with the Kelly Olympic bandwagon, man. Yeah. With Gerard, and I've been following Kelly for years, and he's just got a great, a great basketball IQ to go along with the skills that you're talking about. And, of course, he comes from a basketball family, too. So right. he's going to get nothing but better and better as time goes on. Now, what were your impressions of Marcus Smart? I am a huge Marcus Smart fan. I, I've been a Marcus Smart fan all the way back to when, you know, he was pushing fans in the, in the third row. Um, I, I, I'm not I'm the one guy that didn't, like, cringe when he did that. Um, I, I love the fact that he is the ultimate competitor. I mean, just in talking with different uh, NBA folks, you know, leading up to the draft, and even some folks down in Orlando, that's the one thing that everyone loves about Marcus Smart. And they said if you had to rank guys and their level of compete, uh, Marcus Smart would have been a top two, top three pick based on that because he competes at a level that very few guys in this draft class do. And when you have a guy like that who – there's certain certainly aspects of his game that need to be polished, just like any other rookie. The fact that he competes so hard, it gives him and his team a chance to be successful whenever he's on the floor. Does he start this year? No. He's not gonna I mean, unless they trade Rondo, he's not gonna start. And, and you know what? That's okay. Because the way this Celtics team is constructed, I think you're gonna see them go at least nine, ten players deep. You know, every every night, and which which they should, because frankly, they're not good enough right now. Where you've got a designated starting five that can play and play at a high level. I, I see him being one of the first or second guys off the bench. And when you're talking about you know adding high energy guys, guys that can kind of change the game up a little bit. At this point, that was a nice role for Marcus Smart to have that energy guy coming off the bench because he's going to get in the, he's going to get under the skin of, of players. He's going to pick up some, you know, some text. Um, he's going to do some things that certainly you don't necessarily condone, but if you're about winning games, you need, a, you need that dude. Yes. And he is that dude. I, I couldn't agree more. I, I couldn't agree more. I was telling Nick, we were in Boston a couple weeks back and I said, Nick, what the Celtics really need right now is some grittiness. I was actually disappointed, Sherrod, they didn't take Julius Randle because I think he brings that grittiness too. But what they need is a guy like uh, an old Cedric Maxwell. Nick and I were talking about the, the famous fight in the forum with the fan. I want to see that, not to, not to get fans uh, involved in fights with the players, but I want to see 
that ferocity back on this team. Let me jump because in. Let me tell you something. You, you, you're talking to someone who was at the Malice at the Palace, so easy on the physicality. Time, <laughs> I got yeah, you. Well, Take it easy. But you're yeah, right, though. Yeah. I, I know what you're saying. And, you know, it goes back to something that Red Auerbach used to talk about and Doc Rivers also talked about, and that is the need to have instigators. Guys that don't necessarily start trouble, they just finish the job. I mean, you look back at the Celtics team the past you know, uh, five, six years that were really good. You had guys like James Posey. You had guys like Tony Allen, who maybe weren't the most talented players in terms of their skills, but they had the ability to impact the game with their toughness. And the Celtics, you look at this team last season, a lot of nice guys, good players, mm-hmm. but they didn't have that agitator. And, and I think Marcus Smart, he brings that dimension that this team desperately needed. Ty and I were talking about it, Sherrod, and really we can't remember anybody – really being that feisty, uh, tough guy uh, since Perk. I think Perk was the last real, yeah. you know, if you think about it. I mean, they got yeah, that's, I mean, that's, and, 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 and the thing, right, and even with Kevin Garnett, you know, even at the end, I mean, he was more barked than bite. I mean, oh, let's be honest. Yeah, um, totally, I mean, still, yeah. Rondo still able to, was, yeah, he was still able to impact the game, but not nearly at the level that he was accustomed to. And it, it took a minute for guys to realize Kevin Garnett isn't quite as good as he used to be. Um, my, my favorite example of that is, is Andre Blatch, who just, you know, Kevin, you know, worked the Jedi mind tricks better on him than any other player in the league. And it took like the last year or two for Andre to realize I'm younger than him. I can take him off the dribble. I can score yeah. on the post. I can, I can take this dude. And he yep. started doing that. And no matter what, and, and I think that's when Kevin just kind of relented on, on barking at the zoo because he's like, damn, he figured it out. Damn. So, <laughs> you know, it's, you, but you, but the point is you need to have guys that have that, that mindset, that ability to impact the game, not only in their play, but also their presence. And, and that's the one thing I really do like about Marcus Smart. Well, we got to ask you about Rondo, and I, I got to tell you, this topic probably overtalked more than Jeff Green. Mm. But we have oh, and Jeff Green's tough. I, I, yeah, yeah, that's, that's a, a tough one. I'm not going to bring it up, but we have to. Bring it up. <laughs> I will. You can do that. I'm not going to. Say the J word. We have to talk about Rondo because, of course, uh, reading today, of course, you know, maybe wanting to be reunited with Josh Smith. Detroit trade, Sacramento trade, everything's blowing in the wind, and everything has been blowing in the wind for years. Is there any fire with all this smoke, Sherrod? Listen, the closest the Celtics have come to moving him was when they made an open pitch for Chris Paul a few years ago. Everything right. else, there's, there's been talk, there's been but nothing of substance, and that's the thing that you have to keep in mind. There's not going to be anything of substance until Ronald gets back on the floor. Teams are not going to make a trade for a guy going into the last year of his contract who has stated that he wants a max or near max deal who's a year removed from having his ACL torn. And in those 30 games that he played last year, it was a joke. That was not Rajon Rondo basketball. He knows that. The Celtics know that. And the NBA knows that. That's why the offers that teams are even contemplating making for Rondo are just – it's a joke. No one is going to give the Celtics anything that they would seriously entertain until he gets back on the floor and he starts upping his value and showing that he is the four-time All-Star that not too long ago just absolutely dominated playoff games. And not just any old playoff game. Playoff games where you've got future Hall of Famers like Paul Pierce, Kevin Garnett, Ray Allen, and that dude who's heading back to the mistake, by the way, 
LeBron James with those guys <laughs> on the same floor. Isn't that your Toronto favorite has city? Had... Wait a minute. Isn't that your favorite city, Sherrod, if I remember correctly? Oh, you. Correctly? you <laughs> this is going back You must have that same. You, I don't know what they <laughs> slipped in your drink. But I don't want any of it. I don't want to touch it. I don't want to sniff it. Cleveland has never in any in anyone's existence been my favorite city. We used to try to get Sherrod on the show when he was traveling with the media in Cleveland because he was so hyped up and miserable to be there. We'd get his best interviews. He'd be fired up. So let you me ask listen. you this, Sherrod. Okay. Let, let, me, let me ask you this. Are we speaking of agitation, aggravation, uh, are we going to have a lot more of that with Jeff Green this year? Is he staying put? You know what? I'm, when I when I think of Jeff Green, I'm kind of like, um, I'm done. I'm done. I've embraced the fact that Jeff Green is going to be the Dow Jones NBA player that he is. Four points one night, 44 another night. Don't get mad. Don't get angry. That's just who he is. That's just who he is. There is no, I mean, he is, I, I, there is not another player in the NBA that can take you to such ridiculous highs and just absolutely rip your heart out less than 24 hours later with Jeff Green. Is. And that's fine. That's who he is. I, I, I've, I've tried to just dissect and, and break down and analyze how do you get to be that good and then disappear literally within hours. There's no rhyme or reason to it. It's just who he is. Accept him for who he is and keep it moving. Sherrod, is there the a problem? Yeah, but the, here's the problem, though. Here's the problem with a guy like Jeff Green. Teams, I think, understand what he's able to do and what he's not able to do. And so if you're thinking about making a trade for him, you're not going to give a one of your top two players to do that. Even though Jeff Green, from a talent standpoint, probably should be one of your top two players. That's the dilemma that you have if you're the Celtics. If you trade him, you are getting a lesser product in return. There's absolutely no way of getting around that. And if you're the Celtics, you, you might as well hold on to him because you're not going to get an upgrade by trading him. Yeah. Yep, you're right. And he will not be I on my fantasy league team this year. Let me just say that right now. Say that again, Sherrod. He's completely cut off from the fantasy league team. I need someone a little mm-hmm. more consistent. Yeah, that's the, no, no doubt. In the history of the NBA, Sherrod, and I've been racking my brain on this one. In modern day, I can't think of another player like Jeff Green who can throw up 43 points on one night and then almost throw up a goose egg the next night. I can't recall a player well, like that. Well, you know what? The thing about it is this. There are guys who can do that, but it's like they'll have one of those games, and that'll be their game for like the next four or five years. Jeff Green has one of those games every month. Every month. Mm-hmm. He has a big 30, 35-point game. And he'll follow up with something in the teams, which I can live with the teams. But it's when he has nights where he scores four or five points. There's and no way I can rationalize how you can be that talented, that talented, and have nights where you only score four or five points. Makes yeah. no yeah. sense. I mean, I, mean, Jeff Green, I mean, Jeff Green really should be able to just basically wake up in the morning, step on the court, and get ten points. On a bad night. On a bad night, he should be 10 points a night. It's got to be a confidence thing. I mean, that's the only thing that can – I mean, it it has to be confidence. He can't be lazy. I mean, he doesn't – he, he is one of those players, though. He is one of those players that no matter how hard he's playing, he always looks kind of lazy. 
Like yeah, Matt, but I don't think Matt it's that though. I don't. I, no, I, yeah, not. I don't. I don't think it's that. I mean, I, I've, I've talked with enough people who, who have been around Jeff and, and are close to him, and laziness is not an issue with him. Right. Um, I, I think the bigger issue is just desire to be great. I mean, I think Jeff sometimes, you know, he, he think he gets comfortable with being a good NBA player and doesn't necessarily have that X factor to be great, which is sad to some degree because if you look at what he can do from a skill standpoint, Seth Green should be one of the top 10, top 15 players in the NBA. I mean, a 6'8 guy who can run the floor the way he can, has his athleticism, has a three-point shot. Ball handling isn't that great, but it's it's, it's serviceable. Um he should be, he should be easily twenty points and some change a night, but he's not. He, he's Jeff Green. He's Jeffrey Lynn Green. <laughs> Love him or leave him. This is Uncle funny. Jeff. This is funny. We said Uncle we weren't going to talk about Jeff Green. We're talking about um, Jeff Green. Hey, let's talk about. You can't help but talk about <laughs> Jeff Green. You can't help it. That's so true. Yeah. Let's talk about Paul Pierce. Were you surprised yes. he landed with the Wizards? You wanted more. You money, know what? Right? I- Oh well, yeah, and, and that, you know what? That's the thing that I'm, I'm I'm figuring out with this. This is the summer to get paid. Um, everybody who's a free agent is getting paid, and you knew they were going to get a, a night. They're going to broke off with a little something, all of them. But the money some guys are getting is ridiculous. I mean, Gordon Hayward, yeah, Chandler Parsons, match players. Are you kidding? Yeah, and I and I love those two guys. I mean, I I've been singing the, the praises of Chandler Parsons for years. But there's no way in hell I would have paid him that kind of money. He's nowhere near worth that. At most, maybe ten, eleven, maybe even twelve million. But fifteen is some change. Are you kidding me? Hell no. Gordon Hayward, same thing. Good player. But you know what? It, it, here's the thing. And, and actually, an assistant GM brought this to my attention in Orlando, and he made a really good point. He said the one thing that they respect about the Celtics is the Celtics did the smart thing in that they paid a little bit over what their guy was worth in, in talking to Avery Bradley as opposed to allowing a bidding war to erupt. And then you mm-hmm. wind up, if you're Utah, pay several millions more per year than you would have wanted to. And Houston, I mean, not only, you know, they walked away from the Chandler Parsons deal for that reason because the price just, it just, it would have, it would have enhanced, you know, handcuffed them from a financial standpoint going forward. But had they basically you know, try to get something done earlier, like in the fall, and not let it get to this point, they would have been in a much better situation. Mm. So it's 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 crazy looking at some of the money they got. But back to Paul Pierce, I'm I'm happy for Paul Pierce because what he's doing now is real simple. He's trying to win another ring. I mean, Paul yeah. Pierce, there is absolutely no shame in his game. He is trying to latch on with the next team that will, one, put some money in his pocket, two, allow him to play decent minutes, and three, has a chance to win a title or at the very least get to the NBA Finals. And when you look at the the kind of summer the Wizards have had, I don't think there's any doubt that it's them and Cleveland. I think those are the top two teams in the NBA with Miami and Indiana kind of, you know, in that maybe 3-4 range. Sherrod, can we kind of tell Boston fans tonight on this show that Kevin Love isn't coming to Beantown. Oh, please. please. Yes, yes. Be the guy he, that listen, says He's coming. He's yeah, coming. Wherever can we play for him, he's coming at least yeah. once or twice a year. He's coming at least <laughs> once or twice a year. Let's just get that out the way. Kevin Love is coming to Boston at least once or twice a year. And you know what? He's got new friends now when he comes to Boston, too. You see all the, the love, literally, that was shared to that dude when he came to Boston? He's, they love him here. And he will be back. But will he be wearing a Celtics uniform? I don't think so. 
I don't think so. And it, it, listen, to me, things went south for the Celtics when Flip Saunders decided to make himself the head coach. Because at that point, his whole mentality changed. Before, when you're the GM, you're looking at your roster, you're trying to figure out ways to make your roster better going forward. But as a coach, you're trying to win right now. And he knows that the pieces that the Celtics, you know, have to offer, none of the pieces can help him win right now. I mean, the biggest asset that Detroit, excuse me, that Boston has is Rajon Rondo. And you already have a point guard who can't shoot in Ricky Rubio. In fact, you have the worst shooting point guard in the NBA in Ricky Rubio. Um, makes Rondo look like Ray Allen most nights. They're very similar so, players, aren't they? I mean, they're both kind of like flashy. They are, but ass, you know what? Yeah. They are, but, but Rondo's a better player, though. Rondo is, is, yeah. is oh, far and away a better player, better player than Ricky. Um, for the simple fact that Rondo actually can make an open jump shot. I mean, he doesn't make a lot of them, but he can actually make one. <laughs> I'm still waiting for that day for Ricky Rubio. When I can, when I can see him play, and I feel confident that he's going to make an open jump shot. He's a horrible shooter. Horrible shooter. It's funny because, you know, you're, we're talking Rondo here a little bit, but the, Ty and I were hosting a draft party on draft night in Boston, and a lot of people there. And Marcus Smart gets drafted, and what, Ty? Everybody says, Rondo's gone. And then the next minute, everybody says, Bradley's gone, not Rondo. And, both, you know, Bradley gets re-signed, Rondo's coming back. Is Danny just fortifying that back backcourt with Smart? I mean, I don't see him as a three. Well, I, I think with what Danny's doing, he's covering his back. If right. you decide to move Rondo during the season, you've got his heir apparent already on your roster. Mm-hmm. Plain and simple. And and the, right now, the Celtics, they're in a position where they have to acquire as many talented assets as possible. I, this team, the way they're putting this roster together, it's similar to what they did uh, the two, three years leading up to the summer of 07, or the draft of 07, I should say, when they were able to get Ray Allen, and then later that summer get Kevin Garnett. They spent two or three years just stockpiling talented players, developing those players, and hoping that you'll have enough of those young up-and-coming players to where you can pull off you know, a Kevin Garnett deal or a Kevin Love deal or a LaMarcus Aldridge deal, even something like that with Portland. You want to have the ability to, to really convince teams that you've got some young on the right side, guys like Al Jefferson. I mean, and that's why, you know, early when I was talking about Kelly O'Linick, Kelly O'Linick could very well be their Al Jefferson going forward. And, and, and when I say that, not in terms of how he plays, but just a really good, young, promising, up-and-coming player that other teams view as being, you know, a potential, you know, mega, not a mega star, but a really solid superstar caliber player in this league, all-star type potential. What about Sully? Does he fit into that category? Sully, I want to, I, I want to say yes. I so badly want to say yes, um, but I just don't know if he's going to be able to elevate his game to the level that it needs to be. You know, I haven't really. I mean, he's spent you know most of the summer you know working out and just trying to get stronger. I just don't know if Sully's going to be more than what he is now, and that is a very solid player. Uh, you know, fourteen, fifteen points, nine, ten rebound, double, double type guy. I just don't know if he's going to have the ability to really carry a team because the one thing that, you know, he's talked about and the Celtics have to some degree as well is his conditioning. Just he ha- he has to get to a point physically where he can play for extended minutes. And I'm just not sure if even with the work he's put in this summer, whether he's there yet. If he if he's capable of playing thirty, thirty five minutes a night and not really, you know, losing too much steam, then absolutely I think he could be, you know, 
high teens uh, scoring and certainly double-digit rebounding. But if he's going to be a guy that's got to play around 30 or slightly less than 30 minutes because physically he can't play more than that, he's just never going to be that great superstar player that I think from a talent standpoint he has the potential to be. Sherrod, what story aren't we talking about that we should be talking about? The story that we're, we've completely glossed over is the fact that the Celtics still haven't found anybody to protect that damn rim. Yeah. I mean, you look at the you look at the additions that I mean, Tyler Zeller is not a rim protector. He runs the floor really well. He's a decent positional defender, but he's not a rim protector. You look at some of the additions they've made, and they're adding a lot of guards. So I, you know, and I was thinking about this the other day. Maybe the Celtics are just like really you know overthinking this, or they're just thinking better than all of us. And rather than having rim protectors, just have better defenders on the perimeter. So then you don't necessarily need a guy to protect your rim because your guards are taking away dribble penetration from the opposing guards. Which, it, the more I think about it, that's such a Danny Ainge, Boston Celtics oh, kind of thing to do. So uh, we don't need it. Yeah. yeah. So rather, rather than having that big man that you can count on to, you know, make sure nothing is, is going in the paint, and you've got a bunch of guys who are going to defend like crazy, which from um, in terms of winning basketball, I, I like the idea, but the idea of seeing that 82 games plus the playoffs, yeah, that I mean, be kind out, of brutal. Out-rebounded every year, you know. I mean, I just oh, – it's brutal if he doesn't get a big man. I mean – is brutal. Sure. Ty, we were just talking sure. about this today. Right. Sherrod, I'm out in Washington State, so maybe I'm smoking something, but I would really <laughs> like I'd really like Greg Monroe in a Celtic uniform. Any chance that happens? No. No. Hey, well well you know when you're in Washington State, I'm sure you can find something to ease the pain. <laughs> I'm sure you can. I'm sure. I'm sure there's some. And you can find some things that ease the pain legally. Listen, we on the other hand in Boston cannot. Yeah. But, but here's the thing about Greg Monroe, though. I, I think the situation with Greg Monroe is the same as it is with Kevin Love, and that is Boston doesn't have the kind of assets that Detroit would be looking for. Now, your on your best bet would be to convince them somehow that Jeff Green is, is what they need to get over the top. Try to package him and maybe guaranteed contracts that you have lying around and then maybe swing a deal for him that way. But short of that, I just don't see it happening. Uh, and I, I really do think at the end of the day, Greg Monroe is going to wind up back in Detroit, and that Detroit is going to figure out a way to get rid of Josh Smith. I mean, they've, they've got the, the Sacramento Kings sniffing really, really hard for Josh Smith, and, and that would be a great fit for him because Sacramento is completely dysfunctional and has no clue about how to win. So Josh Smith will be a great fit for them. That I love him out there, actually. That is a hot mess in Sacramento, man. Mm-hmm. Always has mm-hmm. been, but they have great fans. They do have great yeah. fans. They have awesome fans. Even even, the te- even now that the team sucks, the fans are really, really yeah. good. Um, but but that, they're, they're just a painful team to watch most nights because, I mean, at some point in the first half, you start to see the wheels become unhinged. And then usually around late third quarter, early fourth quarter, the wheels begin to fall off. Cousins picks up a tech, and then it's, you know, lights out. Didn't the Celtics lose both games to them last year? They sure did. It was the most polite ejection of a coach I've ever yes. seen. Yes. The yes. minute he, when he got tossed, 
Yeah, that, that yeah, that was a Rondo game, exactly. Don't remind me. <laughs> I will I will never forget the look on Brad Stevens' face when he got tossed. It was as if it was as if, you know, a piece of paper had flown across the street. It was it was not a big deal. But usually coaches when they get tossed they're ready to get the hell out of there ASAP. Brad is looking down at the other bench, waving to the other coach, saying, Good game, coach. See you I'm thinking like, dude. You need to get your money's worth. He didn't. He did not get his money's worth. And I told him after the fact that was the thing that disappointed me most about that ejection. Not that you got tossed because it was going to happen sooner or later, but you didn't get your money's worth. Yeah. What are yeah. your Doc always got his money's worth? What are you? Doc, that's the thing. Doc that's... screamed all the way to the tunnel. What's what, that? What are your? I said Doc would have screamed all the way to the tunnel. <laughs> he never would have stopped yelling at the ref, Scott. You know, yeah, see, exactly. And, and my my favorite player though when it came to Texas is, is, is Rasheed Wallace. He always oh. got his money's worth. Always yeah. got his money's worth. And I respected mm-hmm. that. He was wrong a lot of the time, but that's okay. That's okay. They kicked you out. You got about ten seconds to get it off the chest. Get it off the chest and get the hell out. Love it. Love Gerard, it. that was a frustrating year. Huh? I remember with Sheed. I mean, and then it ended up being probably one of the best turnarounds ever that I've ever seen in my lifetime. But that second half of that season with Sheed was like banging your, you know, putting ice picks in your eye. Oh, he, he look, he, he was, he was done. He just didn't yeah. have anything left. And, and he, I give him credit. I mean, he, he, he tried to hang in there as long as he could. He just didn't have anything left. And it's so, it was, I'm not, you know, since he was in college. Because uh, when I used to cover the ACC, he was at Carolina. And I covered the, and so I, you know, to see him go from, damn, this ridiculous, talented dude, to that dude that last year, that was sad. That was really, really sad. Mm-hmm. But oh well. Before we let well, you go, we got to get your impressions on LeBron, man. I, I, I'm sick of it. I'm tired of hearing about him. I realize he's the greatest player on the planet. But you would have swore that LeBron just swept the Spurs in four games. <laughs> Alone. Alone, by himself. <laughs> Yeah, it, it's amazing how, you know, the off season has been, once again, you know, LeBron drama. And the thing that, that's happening in Cleveland, and you start to see it now, when they won a title in Miami, everyone talked about, oh, Chris Bosh, Dwayne Wade, LeBron James, big three, da-da-da-da-da-da-da. What people often forgot about was that the reason they were so good was because LeBron was able to convince some really good players like Ray Allen, Mike Miller, Rashard Lewis, Udonis Hazel, guys to take major pay cuts to play with him. You're starting to see that play out now in Cleveland. Mike Miller is on board. James Jones is on board. They're trying to work on Ray Allen to get him Mm -hmm. on board as well. That's how much – if Cleveland's going to win a championship, which I hope to God they don't, (laughs) but if they do, if they do, that's how it's going to happen. And and LeBron is going to get all the praise and all the credit, but I'm telling you right now, it is those side dishes that are going to make the meal. He needs guys around him that can get it done and have a track record of getting it done. And that's what that would work in Miami. They're trying to make it work in Cleveland. That is a great line. And I always mm-hmm. say this about the Garnett team that beat the Lakers in the NBA final, Sherrod. It's the Eddie Houses, the James Poseys, the Leon mm-hmm. Poes, the P.J. Browns. They got exactly. a big baby that got that team over the top. Of course, Garnett, Pearson, Allen, the big three. But without those guys that I just mentioned, that team doesn't win the title that year. I remember that game two of the Lakers series where Leon Poe went off. 
Ty, remember, exactly. Rondo didn't play a good portion of that series. It was Eddie House. I mean, Rondo exactly. didn't play a lot right. of minutes in that series. We forget that, right? Yeah. You, you you can't you can't win a title without those guys. Look, you want to eat you want to eat like a king. You got to have some side dishes that are going to get it done. <laughs> I love it. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. Well, I wrote that one down. Yeah, I wrote that one I down. Notes as we speak, there, Sharon. Yeah, it's the side dishes that make the meal. I love it. Exactly. Exactly. Winning, <laughs> winning an NBA title is like eating at hometown buffet. I love it. <laughs> Damn! Everything. <laughs> listen, you can make everything about food. Oh, everything. Can. It's all about. You really can. You really can. But that, listen, Cleveland's going to be good. But I, I don't expect them to win a title. And in fact, part of me, it, it was hard for me when they were when LeBron was trying to figure out whether I'm going to go to Cleveland, or whether I'm going to stay in Miami. Because honestly, I hope both franchises suck. So it was. I was really <laughs> torn over what I wanted him to do. I, I mean, I was part of me was hoping he would go play for Phoenix which I think would have been awesome. I thought that would have been really, really awesome. But the thing is, him going to Cleveland has opened the floodgates for every other team in the East to feel as though, you know, if you're, if you're Washington, for example, you felt pretty good about your team before, but the additions you've made and now LeBron in Cleveland, you feel that you've got a, a very good shot of getting out of the East. Indiana still thinks they're going to be in the hunt. Miami thinks with Wade and Bosch, which – they're just fooling no one but themselves. They think they're still in the hunt as well. And Cleveland, they're going to be in the mix as well. Now, if Cleveland winds up getting Kevin Love, that's a game changer. That becomes a game changer because then they become the, you know, without question, indis- you know, indisputable front runner to come out of the East. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Are the Heat still a threat? I think so. I mean, I think they're I a threat too. in the sense that I, only in the sense that they can really – you know, some of those up-and-coming teams like, for example, Washington or, let's say, even, you know, uh, Indiana. I could see the Miami Heat in a best-of-seven tripping one of those teams up and preventing them from getting on to the next one. I can totally see that happening. But they still have some work to do. I mean, Wade, people forget that he missed a lot of games and, and, and had his minutes cut back in a lot of the games he did play in because of those, those achy knees. And Bosch... Mm-hmm. You know, we haven't seen Bosch in, in a role other than a third wheel in about five years since he left Toronto. So he is going to be called upon to play a more prominent role, and it's been a while since he's had that opportunity. Now, he was able to do that in Toronto, but if we recall, they kind of sucked most of the time they he sucked. was there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he put up great numbers. He's an eight-time, eight, nine-time All-Star, however many times he's been there. But his team wasn't very good. So... You have to look at his ability to dominate games and put it in that perspective. You know, Norris Cole, I I I like him a lot, but is he ready to really emerge as a you know a primary go-to type of player, one of part of their big three? I don't think so. So it, it's going to they have the potential to cause a little bit of ruckus, but I think in the end, at the end of the day, Washington, Cleveland, and Indiana, I think those are the big three in the East right now. Hmm. Washington, man, that's just so. I know. You know, as I say that, my tongue is like, what the hell are you doing? Did you just say Washington? That's okay. Washington? Nick Nick referred to the Wizards as a Celtic rival earlier. I'm like, no, no, that was a mistake. That was a mistake. But I have to refer to them as the Bullets all night. Well, for the longest time, I used to to make reference to them as the Washington Izzards because there are no W's. In Washington, oh, that is great. they don't have any W's. Are you kidding me? They're the Izzards because they don't know how to win. 
Um, so it'll be uh, here's awkward. a serious question. When, when do you okay. start stand-up? When do you start stand-up comedy, man? You, I mean, you've been cracking us up. We're giggling like schoolgirls here. Dude, I'm, I'm, just, I'm, just, you know, I'm just pulling stuff out of the, out of the, I'm just, I'm just You're blowing. just talented. Talented comedian. Hey, one more uh, question uh, I'll I, let you go uh, uh, about Adam Silver, Sherrod. I want to get this. Okay. What, oh, in, yeah, this is wacky. what in the world is with this mid-season tournament idea he's coming up with as if the NBA season isn't long enough? I'm, you know what, this is, well, you know what, the fact that that's out there, this, this is what it shows me. It shows me how dysfunctional the players' union is right now. Because I'm going to tell you right now, you let something like that come out of David Stern's mouth when Billy Hunter was running the show, you would have Billy Hunter, you would have uh, Mason, you would have the entire board have a press conference in downtown New York talking about, <laughs> this is this is atrocious. What are they trying to do? What, what is he talking about? We, this is going to be something we're going to deal with in the new collective bargaining agreement, blah, blah, blah. It will become a much bigger deal to the players um, because they don't want that. I mean, you're talking about basically them working harder for the same pay. And NBA mm-hmm. players, as we all know, are paid extremely well, but they're not trying to work any harder for their money than they have to. Um, and and this, this will certainly be something that the players' union, I would think, uh, would have an issue with. But they've been kind of silent on this, which is surprising uh, because basically this is the kind of stuff that – your union is supposed to speak out on. Um, you're talking about basically creating uh, an event that's going to force some members of your organization to work, and there's no, there's no incentive from a financial standpoint for you to do so. So I don't think anything's going to come of it, but it's, it, look, in the summertime when the NFL is starting to ratchet up, baseball's in full bloom, you got to throw stuff like this out there if you're Adam Silver to keep your game in the news. And that's yeah, cool. Yeah. I'm, yeah, I have yeah. no issue with that. It gives us something yeah. to talk about. But That's right. As far as this actually coming into existence, I just don't think it'll happen. I think this will be this will fall in that same you know bin as the wheel concept as something that was nice to talk about, but probably not going to happen anytime soon. Mm. Yeah, I, I don't think. But I'm, so an, but I'm an Adam Silver fan. I, I I really like what he's been able to do so far. I just think this was you know. He was due to have a bad idea, and this is yeah. this is his moment. This is his because it, it's it's a horrible idea, in my opinion. Horrible. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it is horrible. Did I mention I, mean, I think it's horrible? Yes, yes, we agree because even like like Ty said, the season is just way too long. Even the postseason. Oh. I mean, we were talking, Ty. We were talking on draft night about the the best of three. Remember that? Remember the old? Days? Yeah, I do. I do. Series, best of three. I love that. I do, and and I remember in the first round, you know, when it was best of five, that was awesome. Yeah, yeah, that was awesome. But yeah. the best, awesome. Of, I mean, but from the league standpoint, you know, there's money to be made. I mean, sure. there's money to be made by making the series longer, and it that's what the league is driven by. Cha ching, cha ching, cha ching. Yeah. And that's they're taking a, a lesson, I think, from the NFL here, Sherrod. The NFL has become a league that's 365 days a year, and I see that the NBA is trying to do that as well. That's what it appears to me. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah, and it's a smart idea from not only in terms of, you know, a monetary standpoint, but also from a visibility and branding standpoint. I mean, the fact that your league is on the thought, is in the minds of people year-round. I mean, there are people right now who, you know, know about LeBron James and the Cleveland Cavaliers and the NBA that could care less about the league. But Mm -hmm. every time you turn on the TV, whether it's 
Sports Channel or whether it's the Today Show. You were hearing about LeBron the James. Show. Well, and that was the Today Show. That was, was the lead story. Yeah. And, and guys, that was the exactly. thing that, that was infuriating me. I'm like. God bless LeBron James, best player on the planet, but he was treated like the Washington Generals by the San Antonio Spurs. And we're exactly. celebrating him like, like, you know, he's the second coming. I, it's so frustrating for an old guy like me, Sherrod, seriously. Yeah, me too. It is. It I'm is. too old. I mean, I, I'd like to know more about Kawhi Leonard. I mean, yes, he's, of course. Mm-hmm. he was, you know, the, what is it called, MVP? Yeah. <laughs> what did they that's call like that? The most, that's like the most valuable dude in the series. Yeah, right, that means right, right. he outplayed the dude that we're talking on and on about. But listen, this this the, the thing about LeBron James, and I go back to this because I've been covering the league as long as he's been in the league, longer than that actually. And the one thing he said early on in his, you know, in one of his many rants about whatever was this this idea of being a global icon, yeah. and that's something that he has achieved. I mean, the fact that he can enter free agency, shut the whole free agency system down until he made this decision. Oh, so annoying. Yeah, no, I, no, I was about to say, I, you know, I'd call guys and say, hey, how's it going? Nothing. Waiting for LeBron. I'm like, okay. Because <laughs> like, I, I, I talk to guys about how free agency is going, and, and most of the guys would be like, nothing's going on. We're waiting for LeBron. Because once LeBron money frees up, then that's going to free up money for everyone else. Wasn't it fascinating to watch Twitter – uh, you were probably too busy at the time, but it, it was like LeBron made the announcement, Twitter blew up for a good half hour, and then it went completely silent for about 10 minutes, and then every deal that was made prior to LeBron's announcement got announced. It was like, but being breaking news, it was it was really fascinating to watch that in real time on social media. And and the fact that, you know, he signed a short-term deal, we're going to be going through this in another year. All over again, yep. And, 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 and you know what? No. Have you noticed Pat Riley has signed every single player to a two-year deal? You know, exactly. Yeah, you exactly. Think, you think he's going to go after LeBron again? <laughs> exactly. You better believe he's going to go after LeBron again. Hell yeah. Yeah, yeah I know. I and, then, and then it'll be and it'll be it'll, it'll be the LeBron James homecoming 2.0. <laughs> he went he went back home only to go back home to Miami. It's look. I feel I feel like LeBron is playing us all. I really do. Mm-hmm. And, and I hate I hate that feeling. That's why I couldn't get too caught up in him. Miami, Cleveland, Cleveland, Miami. You know Miami's a better city, but Cleveland's home. I get that. In a couple years, if he decides to go back to Miami, I can't wait for that narrative to be spelled out. Oh, I can't yeah. wait. And, and, and the ball busting to start again. Because if there's one thing for I like I, I am I am a, a an admitted LeBron hater. I really don't like the dude. And the brand. I don't like the brand. And uh, one thing that I do love about LeBron, though, is he gives everybody such great ammunition to bust his balls. And, you know, this time around, he, he although there's been some really funny videos and memes out there, it's it, he really did it kind of flawlessly as far as listening to his PR team finally. And uh, he, he did it well. I mean, but I still don't like him. So I hope he goes back to Miami just so we can make fun of him again. Yeah, I'm 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 looking forward to that because that that's exactly you know the thing about LeBron is that when you think about the NBA, you always want to have good guys and villains. Uh, you, I mean, when when you had the Lakers and the Celtics going back and forth, West Coast people saw Celtics as villains, East Coast saw Lakers as villains, and it was awesome. We don't have that coastal war anymore. Right now, you've got LeBron and he's it, and so you either really really love him or really really hate him, and I'm thankful that he gives the people who are from 
Hater Nation putting your video with doing stuff that just gives you no reason but to hate him. And, Love that about him. And, and Sherrod, one thing that bothers me as is, is an 80s guy, an 80s NBA guy, is I don't like the fact that people root for players now and not teams. And that's another change I think we're seeing in yeah. the league. And I think it's a shame. Yeah. Yep, yeah, yep, yep. It, it is. It is. But it, it's hard to do that when players move the, as much as they do. And, and I understand why they're doing it. I mean, these guys, look, this, they understand that they have a small window to get paid. And so you need to go where the money is. Um, and I, I understand that and I respect that. But you're right, though. I mean, there, there's the loyalty to, to franchises isn't what it used to be. And part of that is because franchises aren't loyal to the players the way they used right. to be. I mean, the Red Hour Box of, of, you know, those guys are gone. I mean, guys yeah. today, look, I, I don't care whether you've been here 10 years or 10 minutes. You may be traded if I think I can get somebody who can help my team more than you. You know it I mean? Really, it really kind of sunk home. I, I was watching the All-Star game, uh, the MLB All-Star game. I'm just parts who watches the whole thing. But, you know, watching Jeter, he's the, a dying breed. Kobe Bryant, dying breed, where they, you see these guys, Jeter, in the same uniform for 20 years. I mean, it just mm-hmm. doesn't happen anymore. And it's a shame. I, Ty, you're saying, you know, we're 80s guys, but in reality, we're just sports guys. I mean, that is what it is. I, I right. think it's a team sport. And what kills me, and I think – and I've said this over and over and over on this network, is that LeBron has 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 devalued that. the frame. And I think Sherrod is correct. We don't give enough attention to the fact that the, jet, the GMs have also taken True. away from that team sport. Uh, but no one has as much as LeBron, only because he is a, a hero, and we're raising young basketball players now to, you know, just take the shortcut and, you know, hop wherever you can to get a title. Don't work hard for it. And, imagine, and if Magic, that's, that's, imagine if Magic yeah. Bird and Dr. J left their respective teams. The whole thing would be again? different today. I said, imagine yeah. if Bird, yeah, but, Magic, and Dr. J left their teams. Oh, you can even go more recent than that. What if Tim Duncan? Right. <laughs> what if Michael right. Jordan? Decided to, right. and, and those guys, you know, the thing that I, I like about those two guys in particular, one, they're from our generation. Two, those guys had the options of going elsewhere. But rather than do that, they said, look, I trust my GM to put enough guys around me so that we can win at the highest of levels. And they did that. LeBron just didn't have that faith in he didn't think they could do it, so he went and formed a super team. They got to the finals, you know, four years, won a couple titles. Now he's coming back home. I, it, 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 I mean, not taking anything away from him winning a couple titles, but it just doesn't. It doesn't feel the way it did with Bird and Magic and Tim Duncan and Jordan and guys who won multiple titles in the same city. They didn't go out seeking uh, a, a team that could win the title. They went out and just played the game and just expected that the people who were hired and getting paid to put teams together could do their jobs. It doesn't feel authentic, and maybe that's very unfair of me to say. It just doesn't feel authentic. John Stockton, Carl Malone didn't seek brighter horizons. Pat Ewing well, Carl did, and it, and it well, wasn't later, his case. later, later, right. But you're right. Yeah, at the end of his career, though, when he was pretty much washed up, yeah. You know, Patrick Ewing, for example, yes, he moved on, but well past his prime as well. So it's just, it doesn't feel authentic. And call me a basketball snob. I'll take the label. That's fine. You're a basketball snob. Thank you, Sherrod. I feel better now. (laughs) Yeah, 
I feel better, too. Sherrod, thanks so much, man. This i, I got to be honest. This is the most fun, and I mean this, I've mm-hmm. had all, all off-season, man. All off-season. Oh, man. Ty, that check is in the mail to you for that comment. No, <laughs> it's true, Sherrod. I was given my choice. Well, basically what I said is if I'm going to cover these shows, I want my choice of who the guest is. And I picked you and Jessica. And, man, they were two amazing choices. Thank you so much, man. I appreciate that, man. That's the truth. You're I mean, we've been talking cry. for a long, hey. yeah, man, a long time. I mean, I've known you since, God, I think 2010 or nine, since I was doing Celtics Late Night Show. So uh, uh, really, well. really a lot of fun. A lot of fun. Yeah, this was fun. This was fun, guys. Wait a minute. The, 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 the most famous Twitter handle in Celtics Nation. Sherrod BCSN, of course. Thanks, Sherrod. <laughs> <laughs> you guys are awesome. Thank Later, you, guys. I'll see you. Ty, what did I tell you? Oh, right? Nothing has changed. This has been a tough off season. Let's face it, we all expected fireworks, right? Wick did not promise fireworks, by the way. Let me make that clear, because I'm tired of people saying that they were promised. There may be fireworks. May. He didn't promise them. So we've all been waiting and waiting and waiting for big news. So it's been tough. It's really tried our patience. And this show that we've just done has made the wait so worthwhile. Because it's made it fun again to cover this basketball team. Yep. You know, it's not such a bad thing to laugh a little bit and have a good time and enjoy broadcasting, even when your team sucks. It doesn't matter. When you got guys like you, Ty, that I could get on board with, I mean, I have a, the honor of being able to record with you every single week for Beats and Eats, uh, beatsandeats.net slash iOS free <laughs> for iTunes users. to get the plug in there. <laughs> but I have that pleasure. And then to get on, on the hook with uh, Sherrod, man, it, he hasn't changed a bit. It brings back great memories. And I love to bring him on because the fans – don't get to see that side of him when he's on when he's doing the the CSNNE sideline report. Well, the thing is, Nick, is that he put things in perspective. Let's have some fun again. Yeah, yeah. I know the team won 25 games, but let's not have our lives depend on whether or not Kevin Love ends up in a Celtic uniform, or in my case, Greg Monroe. You know, he talked mm-hmm. me back from the edge. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the ledge, rather. I really want Greg McRow to, to come to the Celtics. But my point being, it's just fun to talk, and it's fun to talk Celtics. And we don't need to talk about necessarily Banner 18. And We can make some sense of this. And I know right now it's hard for Celtic fans to get a grip on what Danny's doing. And I think Danny's trying to figure out what to do through this ever-changing NBA free agency landscape. Because why does he want to overpay when it won't matter anyway? Ty, I think this is a perfect lead-in to around the NBA in five, because my number five topic to throw to you, Ty, is are the Los Angeles Lakers the new Boston Celtics of the 1990s and early mid-2000s? What a mess. What a mess, Nick. You have a legend there, right? You have a legend in Kobe Bryant horrible knee injury he's on the backside of his career anyway and you've tied up all that money in him you've wrapped up all that money in in him i I don't see where the lakers are going to come out of this for quite some time they did pick up my favorite pick in the nba draft outside of the the first yes in julius Mm -hmm. randall so they've got him to build on but after that 
you know, you know that they got the Tides. You know they re-signed it. What do you got? You know the tides are turning when Kobe Bryant cannot convince a Carmelo Anthony to come to L.A. and play or a Kevin well, Love. So a movie for him. I think they had a big I mean, Hollywood producer put out this huge, yes. huge Los Angeles Laker film going over the history of arguably the NBA's best franchise. For us, for us, we say it's the Boston Celtics, but for others, it's the Lakers. <laughs> and you know what? I respect the Lakers. I so do them, I. But I respect them. So, so it I. saddens me, Nick. It saddens me when I see this great franchise where it is. My number five for you, Kevin Love. Does he get traded? He does get traded, but he does not get traded to Boston. He is going to end up, I believe, in Cleveland. Wow. So what do you think happens there? You think that the Cavs are willing to part with Mr. Wiggins? I think it's possible. Anything for a quick title. Two-year deal for LeBron. LeBron has proven he has zero loyalty to anybody but LeBron, including his hometown. People forget he destroyed that economy. And now he's come back to save the economy. I mean, it's ridiculous. So uh, the Cavs have a two-year window to get this done, and Kevin Love can certainly help. And they already have Kyrie Irving. It's just – it's bound to happen. That's my prediction, Ty. I'm going to throw number four over to you. It is a LeBron-related question. I pitched it to Sherrod. Pat Riley – Signs everybody on the roster to a two-year deal, which just happens to coincide with LeBron James' next round of free no agency. No way. No way. LeBron <laughs> coming back to Miami. In fact, yes. I talked about this during our interview with Sherrod. Is is Miami a contender? I think they are, especially they are in the pathetic Eastern Conference, East. although it's gotten better. I think that they can contend in the East. Luau Dang, people don't even talk about that. I think that was yep. a terrific pickup. Great pickup. Dwayne Wade, who knows? Maybe he has one year where he's perfectly healthy. It happens. And the yep. planets align. Chris Bosh no longer playing a back seat becomes a bigger focal point for that team. Maybe they contend for the title. Maybe they add a piece. To the- Ty, I have, I have declared this the NBA in 10 right now because i got to ask you a question. The NBA in <laughs> In 40 minutes. Ty... <laughs> Quick question. Do you now root for Miami? I do, because I don't like the <laughs> I love I it. And I would love to see the Heat beat his ass. I would. I'm with you, buddy. And I'm not, I I'm not a Heat you. fan. Trust me on this one. I hate their fans. I hate the white T-shirts draped over the, the chairs so we can pretend there are people in the crowd. But I will take my favoritism to the Heat over the Cavs any day now. Yeah, me too. And and one thing you can say if you're a Cavs fan, they do have a good fan base there. They do. They're they're, they're crazy. Cleveland fans are great fans, and they deserve yeah. a winner. I, I can't remember the last time a Cleveland team has won a title. It has been years. I'm talking any kind of professional title. It's been forever, and I can't even name when they have mm-hmm. won their last mm-hmm. title. I can't. I can't come up with mm-hmm. it. So they they're deserving, but not because LeBron James is there so the prodigal son right exactly so let's talk let's talk some celtics now do the celtics make a move nick are they going to make a move in free agency or is danny going to stand pat geez ty i mean we just looked at the roster he's got a he's got a roster full of guards so unless he knows something that we don't about a role change or or something in the league he's got to make a move i am frankly miffed i'm stumped as to what Danny is going to do, because he's kind of done the opposite of everything I thought he'd do this offseason. So, like Sherrod said, 
the um, the stars are aligning for a 2007 type move in two years. And if we have to wait two years for that to happen, I'm patient enough to wait and have a team be built the right way. My friend, you and I lived through the ML car era. <laughs> <laughs> Enough said. We do not Enough. need a repeat of that. Because what the young fans, and I don't mean to sound like I'm preaching here, but I am, what the young fans don't understand, the guys that can create championship teams on Xbox, they don't understand. That's great, Ty. Is, is that few bad moves in the NBA, and you're done for 10 years. That's not what makes that. the Spurs so great. You're right. And I want to kind of jump on a little bit on Brad Stevens here for a second. We are paying this guy a ton of money. He's the most talented coach coming out of college, uh, and he's here really to teach the youth. So who better to be the coach during a two-year rebuild when we are cultivating talent to shuffle it up, trade it up, dish it off like Sherrod just said, then Brad Stevens. You don't want to risk Brad Stevens either by bringing a Carmelo Anthony to no. town and cluttering up that locker room. So, and Sherrod, we know Sherrod's answer, but I'm going to throw it to you. Can the win, Can the Wizards contend for an NBA championship? Can they make it to the NBA Finals? Why not? They were competitive this year. And you throw Paul Pierce on that team, Chris Humphreys yeah. to add some depth, absolutely. I really like that team. It's not going to get anything but better. Wall's going to get better. Bradley Beal's yep. going to get better. They've got a really nice nucleus on that that squad, and they were kind of under 500 for a lot of the year last season, and then they just came out of nowhere, and they, and they ran through the People forget that they manhandled the Bulls. Obviously, the Bulls were hurt, but nobody was expecting them to just sweep the Bulls aside like they did. So I think the Wizards are an absolute contender uh, in the East this year, especially with it being as weak as it is. It's going to be fun. It is going to be fun. And my question to you, and this is kind of kidding aside, <laughs> uh, Jared Bayless, where was his decision, Nick? How come there wasn't oh. a big celebration of five days on ESPN waiting for Jared Bayless to make his decision on his next destination? Has LeBron forever ruined the phrase, the decision? Oh, I, I, can't, I can't deal with it anymore. <laughs> Ty, I'm going to throw you my number two, and that is... You brought it up. You sparked it in in my mind here as we were opening the show. Paul Pierce, if he is the sixth man on the Washington Wizards, does he win the sixth man of the year award to add to his trophy case? Wouldn't that be something? I, I don't see why not if Paul can stay healthy. And that has been the one thing over the years, Nick, is the seasons have always progressed. I always feared when the Celtics would get to April, right, March and yep. April, that Paul just wouldn't be healthy for the playoffs. And it always seemed like he would have some sort of ailment as mm-hmm. the Celtics headed to the postseason. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't that be great if Paul ah. could play that kind of role, that veteran leadership for the Wizards this upcoming year, average, what, 14, 15 points a game, provide the guidance for a young team like that to get over the hump and be a competitor in the East. Absolutely. I don't see why he can't be a candidate for the sixth man of the year award. It's certainly not going to be Jeff Green, right? <laughs> Although he'll start. It would be last year. Unfortunately, yeah. Jeff will start. Right? <laughs> Jeff will start. Yeah. Jeff will start. So I, I guess uh, what else do we have to say on this episode of Celtics Beat, Nick? It's been an unconventional episode, but it's been a it's hell been of a lot fun. of fun, too. What a, what a change. Flash. 
you know, it's yeah, what a change. It's kind of great to own the network tie and to kind of co-host with the other owner, one of the other owners, because it doesn't friggin' matter, Ty. We can go as long as we want. We could record this show for three days. 24 hours to. straight. 72 hours straight of self-expeak, <laughs> self-expeak marathon. Yeah. Ty, honestly, this was a hell of a lot of fun. And to, to the fans listening today, thanks so much for being so loyal to self-expeak. There are some huge news with CLNS Radio on the horizon for how you're going to be able to consume your programming here on CLNS. Stay tuned to the blog, clnsradio.com. Join the email blast by texting CLNS fans to 22828 and follow us on Twitter at CLNS Radio or on Facebook slash CLNS fans and circle us on Google Plus, Ty. And Nick, before we go, I want to mention this, and this happened today. So when you hear this show on Saturday, it'll be old news, but the best to Bill Russell, who collapsed on Thursday at a speaking engagement in Reno. Uh, excuse me, in Lake Tahoe, but apparently he is okay. And the 80-year-old Russell does a lot of this inspirational speaking. He's hired by companies to do this, and he collapsed, but apparently he's okay. And Russell, as we know, man, he's royalty in this world of Mm. the Boston Celtics we live in. We live and breathe. So the best to Bill Russell. And with that, Nick... Well, I guess the virtual studio is closed. closed. (laughs) Go Celtics!